Welcome to Aquarian Diary, where we discuss issues around the emerging age of Aquarius. I'm your host, John Irving. Thank you for joining me. The following unedited audio is extracted from a collaboration with Irish Granny Tarot, which was recorded on July 18th, 2022, on her YouTube channel of the same name. I share the audio here with permission of Irish Granny Tarot. I will include a link to the original YouTube recording in the description of this podcast episode. Many thanks to her for kindly inviting me on her channel for a third time, where we engaged in yet another unstructured and casual conversation that is wide-ranging. I hope you enjoy it. Camila Falcho, welcome to Irish Fanny Tarot, and welcome especially to our honored guest, John of Aquarian Diary. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Well, you know how I am because we've, <laughs> we've, we've just been talking been about having... it for 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, I was I was pretending that we were just starting this discussion. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not much of an actress, you know, it's all out there. <laughs> You're supposed to play along. I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were we were having a, a rollicking discussion about COVID and the loss of brain cells. <laughs> Basically, yeah. How many brain cells have been lost on the planet? Trillions. It's pretty uh, pretty easy to to see. It's sort of a living study. Just count the MAGA people. Listen, yeah, I, I've I've had so many uh, uh, cases where I have been talking to people. And I'll, we were having a conversation and then they will just stop and they will have like forgotten something really obvious or a word or, and they'll just pause, like, you know, their brain just skipped. And that happens like all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's like long COVID. Well, I ha I'm like that all the time. And to my knowledge, I haven't had COVID yet. I've I just noticed it in my in interactions with people that, that yeah. a lot of people seem to have, uh, short-term memory problems and things like that. Yeah. And I wonder, I think it's related to, because a lot of people who have had COVID, they don't even know it. Yeah, we were talking 40% are yeah. asymptomatic. And of the people who get it, greater than 30% have long haul COVID, which is actually much more devastating and has a much greater impact than was originally thought. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, as I was saying earlier, I've, I've had it, my, I've experienced, I have kind of long COVID myself. And based on what I have experienced, the social implications on a global scale of this, which I don't think anyone has really considered yet or talked about, could be quite significant. A side effect could be a, a, an uncontrollable urge to wear camouflage and attack the Capitol building. Or vote Republican. <laughs> I saw today that Dr. Fauci is retiring. That you poor know, man. That I just, I just, uh, I just finished recording a fairly long episode, and so the last two days I haven't. I'm a little. Last two days I'm out of the loop, so he's going to retire, is he? Yeah, the end of the year. I don't blame him at all. I'm surprised he's still. He had to hire private security for himself and for his family. Yeah. Because of the threats, which is just. I understand disagreeing. I come from a big family. We're 
pros at disagreeing, but I don't understand the, the impulse that carries you over the line to want to do physical damage to the people with whom you disagree. I can't believe you're bringing this up because I actually want to do a whole episode on this. Oh, well, then it's in the zeitgeist, right? It's it must be. be yeah. because because, you know, uh, I was going to use kind of the metaphor of sports, you know, how because I, I personally think organized sports is ridiculous, but people take it so seriously that they will actually engage in violence and there'll be there'll be uh, uh, civil unrest and all kinds of things like that yeah. over something that is just completely irrelevant. Unimportant. And, yeah. But religion is kind of the same way. You know, like if 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 someone, say, from the southern states who's a fundamentalist had grown up in Iran, they'd probably be a Muslim. Yeah. They'd be advocating Sharia law. Yeah. It's like arbitrary is my point. It's yeah. It's, no it's, child is born with a stamp, a tattoo on their forehead that says Roman Catholic. You know, yes. but people take their these concepts, these ideologies so seriously that they will actually engage in like civil unrest and political violence and acts of murder. And, and, and the whole concept is just to me. Uh, so it's incredibly absurd. And I don't really quite understand why people behave that way. Well, you know, uh, when people are raised from childhood with those concepts as being the word of God, I mean, I was raised in that kind of an environment and I saw really good people. I think of my mother who truly believed that these teachings were the only truth. And if you did not abide by that, you would literally go to a physical hell. And they and not a stupid person, a very intelligent person, extremely well read. But there's this one part of their psyche that's devoted to that. And Dr. Stephen Hassan, who it's not a video if I don't mention his name at least once. I think um, you've mentioned him on in our discussions before. The cult of Trump. He right. he cites these studies that show that people who are raised from a very young age in a patriarchal ideology and a the theocratic sort of autocratic kind of family are predisposed neurologically, physiologically, and biochemically predisposed to seek out external patriarchal control, that they are not comfortable making their own decisions, accepting responsibility for the outcomes of their decisions. They need someone to tell them what's right and what's wrong, and they seek that out. Well, this is, uh, and I'm sure it's true for you too, but that whole, uh, what you're describing, is completely foreign to me. I mean, I, was, I wasn't raised in a strict religious environment or anything like that. You know, we did go to church periodically, uh, but... Well, see, that notion... was your first mistake, periodically. Well, I mean, it's just like it. it, it there, we we weren't disciplined about those kinds of things. So, and my parents were quite liberal and well educated and stuff like that. So, and tra and well traveled. So, um, but my point is, is that I have always just, and I was raised to do this, which was to question, you know, pretty much everything. So you take in knowledge or information and if it doesn't make sense or it's illogical or if it's proved to be irrational or whatever then you can discard it and you know you kind of pick from your sources of information and from reality and, de and determine 
what makes sense to you, which is completely different from what you're describing. So, but my point is, is that, sorry, my point is, is that just what you're describing to me is extremely foreign to my sort of paradigm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was surrounded by it. I was raised, you know, I served, I always say served 17 years hard time in Catholic schools. It was all around me. And I can remember when I finally um, did actual concrete choices that went against that. Like the first Sunday I stayed in bed in college and didn't get up and go to mass. I fully waited for something bad to happen to me. And, <laughs> and I'm not a stupid person, but you are so completely brainwashed. And it took me a while. Now, how did, how did I break out of that? that? Isn't that an interesting question? That I think it's a persuasive argument for the karmic stuff you bring with you. I think, you know, some people um, are born equipped maybe is the wrong word but born Mm. with this karmic experience past life stuff that helps them to take that step away from the control well i mean you know we we have to be able to differentiate between what's subjective and what's objective and you know that requires a certain degree of self-awareness which is what i think you're you're talking about which is you have this degree of certain degree of self-awareness where you just don't accept everything that's said to you at face value without validating it in some way that or some measure of your own to to ensure that it's actually you know legitimate now is that it's, it's critical thinking right it's critical thinking possibly but i i often think about this is that some metaphysical aspect that i brought with me into this lifetime or is that uh, a contrarian personality that uh, i'm now living an extreme version of teenage rebellion against my parents well i I can (laughs) i can comment on that i think a bit because i have been fortunate because in my life i have sought out people that i could connect with you know intellectually and and beyond and i have had encounters with a lot of really interesting people deep thinkers academics and the like um you know, hippies, things, you know, people, people who question reality and, and deliberately will tear apart dogma and, you know, paradigms to try and figure out why people think a certain way and behave a certain way and act a certain way. And then of course you realize that you realize that a lot of it's just arbitrary. It's not actually based on any higher truth. Correct. Yeah. And so that, you know, the actual process of dissecting reality itself which is why a lot of people, you know, used substances like LSD or magic mushrooms yes. or whatever, was to try and break through the barriers of, right. you know, reality. And and um, you know, if you have if you have uh, peak spiritual experiences, you can actually gain insights and perceptions into re- into how subjective reality itself is. And that in itself is a fascinating exploration. Mm-hmm. My, the reason I'm saying all this is because I'm sure that you've probably done that in other lives and things where, you know, you explored the boundaries of what's real, which is is kind of like part of the spiritual path. Yeah, I listened to your video um, last night. Thanks a lot. Which one was that? <laughs> the one about climate change. Oh, yeah. It's quite grieving, uh, it's... grieving for the planet, I think it was called. I had yeah. to I had to immediately do a, a meditation <laughs> with I don't know if you're familiar with Pura Rasa. Mm, no. 
Uh, it's a woman, a young woman, um, who does these beautiful guided meditations. She has a very soothing delivery, a very soothing voice. And I often will listen to her late at night. I fall asleep listening to her. But I, I needed to be talked down off the ledge. Oh, well, you know, uh, what, 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 what inspired that was, well, first, there's two things. There's a shitload of, am I allowed to curse? Oh, I don't, you don't, give a, you don't give a crap. No. Um, <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of crazy extreme weather stuff going on around the world right now. That's actually quite alarming. Uh, I was listening to BBC podcast earlier about what's going on in Europe and people are really freaking out. Yeah. So there's that. And of course it's happening in the U S and elsewhere as well. Um, and then I had this dream where, because I, I've studied that for years. I was really involved in the whole climate thing for, I dedicated uh, count, thousands of hours to it. Oh, I'm impressed at how knowledgeable you are about the science behind it. Well, you know, I just, I literally did. That's all I did for days for years was reads thousands of reports about what was going on because I, I wanted to understand what the hell is happening to planet earth. Cause I give a crap about earth. I really do. And, um, so I had this dream where I was, you know, there's a lot of sadness. So, and I think in short, I'm just basically saying that as spiritual beings, we're aware of all this stuff on other levels too. We, we know what, what's going on on earth. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, I have to kind of make the case for people because I honestly think a lot of people haven't really thought through all of the scenarios, how this is all going to unfold, how it's going to affect society, how it's going to affect where you live, your country, the economy. And I'm like, I have to kind of paint this picture because I spent years studying it, contemplating it, thinking these kinds of things through and discussing it with a lot of other people, some of whom have a tremendous amount of expertise in these areas. And um, I honestly think, like, you know, you and I and a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, are very concerned about what's happening politically in the United States right now. But in the big scheme of things, the, the global environmental crisis is a much bigger issue because it's going to last for centuries. And, John, you, you know, know you're in trouble when global Christo-fascism is small potatoes, something you feel you can manage as opposed to the environment, the degradation of the planet, which I can't even, we've talked about this. It gives yeah. me such agita. My stomach is already in knots about it. Yeah. Where I can talk about fascists all day long. This, this is the real issue. You're right. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I see, I mean, obviously, you know, someone like Joe Manchin just like drove a nail in the heart of uh, of the climate, you know, policies that, from the Biden administration, and it's it's a catastrophe. It's just incomprehensible that one person could do that. Um, I I hope I don't understand how karma works, but anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, and so yeah, it matters a lot that the people in power who are making decisions are making the right kind of decisions for the whole yeah. planet, which is part of this collective consciousness that we're moving into in the age of Aquarius. Uh, it that matters a lot, but I mean, we're starting to see the early stages of the impacts, and when you think through all, all these scenarios, 
um, it can paint kind of an almost apocalyptic picture of the future. Almost? Well, it, there's a lot of variables because it's an extremely complex situation, but it looks pretty bad. Because, I mean, you know, it's not going to, like, it, even if we just bring civilization to a grinding halt tomorrow, there's so much momentum in the mm -hmm. Earth system yeah. that it'll go on for friggin' decades, if not centuries. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite scary. And I, like like you said, I it, I had to stop, actually, my in involvement with the climate community because I literally got so depressed I could barely function. Yeah. No, I'm not at all surprised. It's it's a topic that people ask me to talk about and read about. I did read, because got to recommend a book every five minutes. I did recommend this book. Yep. Uh, you'll note the author. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I'll have to try and get a copy of that. Excellent book. It's fiction and it is um Prescient. I'm trying to look at the uh, the date. I think she wrote it in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, I can't find the date on it. Um, it was published in 2014 because she self-published it. She right. could not get a publisher to print it. Right. And it is 100% um, prescient. And, well, Denise, right? Yeah. I took your suggestion... And I listened to the um, uh, YouTube thing that Susan Lynn did about yeah. the environment. Yeah. And lo and behold, she talks about the same kind of stuff that Denise talks yeah. about. Yeah. Living in, in contained uh, globe, globes, you know, what dome, dome yeah. environments and people going off planet and... Uh, I thought it was very interesting because I, I don't know if they've communicated about this. I, I don't, I'm not, I, I can't answer that, but I don't think so. Yeah, um, I don't think so but, either. but other people have painted similar pictures. Um, so, uh, and I myself have had visions of the future that were kind of fairly apocalyptic. Well, I'm not Nostradamus. I say that all the time. I'm not you and Denise. However, I get feelings. And many, many years ago, when the original movie, Mad Max, came out, right. we, we went to see it because we live in the middle of nowhere, and it was at the drive-in. <laughs> it was the only entertainment. It was the only movie playing. So we went to see it, and it was a dreadful movie. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I kept saying to my husband, this is going to happen. This is going to come true in our I'm getting chills here. This is going to come true in our lifetime. And, you know, it's a life sentence. He's used to me. He kind of rolls his eyes and goes, okay. <laughs> and the same, the same gut feeling that I got the first time I read Margaret Atwood's book. We've talked about that. The Handmaid's Tale. I told yeah. him this is going to happen in our lifetime. We here in the United States are seeing this unfold. And yet people don't want to talk about it and don't want to think about it. Uh -huh. so I, I appreciate know, I know. Susan, Susan was saying at the end, uh, what can you do? That's always what I look for is what can we do? And other than these sorts of things where we put the information out there and hope that somebody knew it'll fall on new open ears. Mm -hmm. She did suggest 
several things that there's action we can take. And one of them is to tread lightly on the earth. If you live somewhere Absolutely. where you're dependent on air conditioning, you need to move now, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, also moving to some place where you make less of an impact on the environment to set an example for the people around you mm-hmm. who think you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then educating the young. Yeah, I mean, so when enough people get very concerned about this, then clearly that will apply pressures to governments and other agencies and organizations to actually do something about it. Do you think so, John? Do you well, really think I, so? I do. I actually think that in in my in my uh, episode on this that I just published was it yesterday? Uh, yesterday. Um, I'm saying that we're probably going to start hear, hearing people talk about things like geoengineering now. And yeah, yeah. When when that when people start to understand the implications of that, I think that is when you're going to see a lot of people go like, "Holy crap!" It's going to like, be a while before it dawns on people that that's just going to contribute to the problem in the long run. Well, it's very risky, and I I go into detail some detail about yeah. that. I mean, I mean, I. I think my episode was like 45 minutes long and I could have yeah, gone it was on, interesting. you know, the, like I didn't mention things like, you know, you should have backup power if you're on the yeah. grid, you know, you, there's, there's a lot, you could just go on for hours about this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, what was my point? My point is, is that like, for example, what's happening in Europe right now, I mean, that is going to, I think, have an, an impact on public opinion over there. You're going to see a lot more people pressing their governments to friggin' do something about it because you know, Spain and Portugal and France, like they're burning up. Yeah. It's yeah. terrible. It is terrible. The reason I'm, I'm sounding so skeptical is uh, 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 two words for you, Sandy Hook. Yeah, well, uh, this is a little different in that it has a direct effect on everyone's lives. Like directly. Well, so does, so does the fact that we're afraid to go to the grocery store. That That's true, but I mean... You know, the people in Europe right now who, and Europe is not equipped to deal with like 40 Celsius, 40 degrees Celsius kinds of temperatures. What's that in real temperature? <laughs> well, 40, uh, 40 is just, I think, 102 or 104 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And 50 is 122. Oh. <laughs> now, they've had temperatures above 50 C in Australia and places like the Middle East and in India. I mean, if I was exposed to that kind of temperature for an hour, I'd probably just drop dead. I'm not like, there's, well, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I grew up in Southern California. And although I grew up along the coast in a moderate climate, a temperate climate, occasionally, every once in a while, there'd be a heat wave or we would go someplace like the Mojave, you know, <laughs> Death Valley, and you'd get a little taste of what that was like. It's right. unbearable. Yeah. I've never experienced it myself, but you also have to take into account that um, the humidity level plays a really big role in, you know, things like the wet bulb temperature, which is where they kind of calculate what human beings can endure and for how long. Um, and so if it's really humid and you can't sweat and cool down, it, yeah. it's much more dangerous. Yeah. So like the desert, although it's very hot, is it's very dry. dry. It's a dry heat. Yeah, you you know you go to India or someplace Ew. where it's like you could like someone like me could probably hardly breathe. Now these yeah. people who have lived in these kinds of or similar conditions for a long time, they're kind of adapted to it to a degree. But there are 
hundreds of millions of people in places like India and other parts of the world that have like the grids go down all the time. You don't have, you can't rely on them for, you know, they, they don't have air conditioning, most yeah. of these people. Yeah. And those are the people who are going to really suffer as time goes on. And this becomes more commonplace. Even where I am right now, we're experiencing temperatures that are hitting around 30 Celsius. And like when I was a kid, like that just would never happen. What's that, 70s? Yeah, yeah. When, when I first moved to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, which is fairly cold in the winter, there would be periods of two or three weeks every winter where it would be like minus 35 Celsius. Straight. Fairly cold? Very cold, right? Like below zero Fahrenheit. I thought cold. you said fairly. I was like, oh my God. Oh, well, well, I mean, compared to, say, the Arctic. Uh, but um, now that almost never happens. Like, it's just, uh, that's one of the reasons that invasive species are, like the Japanese pine beetle and things like that are having such an effect is because we don't get these sustained cold periods in the winter that kill off these invasive species right. anymore. Yeah. And so that, now, now, when all these forests start dying, they, they become more prone to wildfires. And, of course, they, they, uh, they're carbon sinks. So we don't want, you know, I mean, this, it's all really bad, right? It's just compounding kind of effects as all of these systems sort of collapse because they're not adapted to deal with such rapid change. The kind of changes that are occurring now would have occurred over tens of thousands of years. Yeah. In the history. So rapid. Two thousand. In the history. Yeah. yeah. We're talking a couple centuries. It's it's like the only thing that would be equivalent would be like a meteor impact, a large or an asteroid, or a, a massive volcanic eruption on the Earth, or something like that. Or Krakatoa. Yeah. <laughs> or bigger than Krakatoa, you know, probably to cause a mass extinction event like what we have initiated now, it would take something extremely substantial. Well, Susan was saying that that there's a purpose, lest we all just crawl into bed and, <laughs> and pray for death, um, that there really is a purpose to all of this, that the universe is ratcheting up to get our attention, get our attention, get our attention with the hope in mind that even though this is going to whittle away at numbers for sure, that the people who are left will eventually get the message that we're all united. We're all one. We need to work together. Yeah. Oversimplification, but at the same time, that's the essence. But you know, what's so depressing about all of this is that, you know, this has been known very clearly in the science community for decades, decades. Lyndon B. Johnson was warned about this. I think it was 1966. And almost, oh, yeah. uh, and people think that stuff has been done about it, but I can assure you that almost nothing has been done. The global emissions on an annual basis have basically been going up ever since. So this whole thing about how an intelligent species could willfully sort of destroy an entire planetary biosphere on which it's completely dependent and utterly dependent uh, is just mind-boggling when you really it, think about it. It doesn't surprise me at all. How is it even possible? Well, I'll, I'll, I have a theory. I, I always have theories. I have a theory. You know, most species uh, are 
driven by biological um, impulses to to replicate, perpetuate their species, and go about their their relationship with Mother Nature within a balance. The system is within a balance. Right, and they go, self-regulating. Right, right. Thank you. I couldn't think of what to say. Um, whereas humans are, and I believe this is intentional, we're living in a enforced scramble for survival. We're constantly trying to afford medical care, afford food, pay rent, find a place to live. And the people in control make that as difficult as possible, I believe, intentionally, so that we are so distracted trying to survive. If we were left to live in a much more, um, a state of more natural existence where we were more of an imbalance, it wouldn't be like this. All I can say is personal experience, having raised a bunch of children, there are a couple of decades in my past that I don't even remember. They're a blur because yeah. I was so distracted uh, yeah. with the day-to-day, -day, the, the quotidian problems of raising a family that go beyond diapers and babies and all that stuff. And they actually become existential. How are we going to pay the taxes? How are right. we going to do yeah. this? That. And I think yep. it's intentional. Well, you know, it's it's just it's amazing what you just said, because like literally this afternoon I was thinking about I have these really cool friends and they were hippies. They went and they set up a commune back in the woods and in the early 1970s after the 60s. And, you know, they uh, it was just beautiful, you know, like this this property hasn't been logged or anything or there's been no pesticides or anything like that on it for like since the 1950s it's just it you know it's it's a fairly large piece of land and then so they were out there to kind of you know explore the boundaries of reality and they got into some mysticism and things like that really i mean m one of the people there who was a friend slash mentor of mine he was on the dean's list at the local university because he's brilliant and he's you know extremely well studied um so the, what what you described though Eventually, they all had kids, <laughs> and it all just came to a grinding. It came to a screeching halt, and then they were, you know, you're up at four a.m. and you're like, you're completely zonked, and you don't yeah, have time to think. Drive. You don't have time to read. You don't have the time. And so the next twenty years is kind of like a write-off. John, I used to intentionally get in the longest line at the grocery store. So it would take me longer to get up to pay for my groceries so I could read a copy of the National Enquirer while I was standing in line because I had no time uninterrupted for anything. And it was my one moment of education right. in the week. Think yep. about that. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it's like I said, I can't believe you brought that up because I literally was thinking the same thing earlier today, like a, an hour or two before we started talking. and. That's the thing. You get caught up in, you know, reality yeah. and reality consumes you yeah. and you just become victimized by it. And I'm not, I have nothing against kids. I was one once myself, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, that's what happened. Well, I came fully formed out of a lotus blossom. So. Did you? Well, it, it shows, it shows. Thank you. <laughs> you show very well. Uh, but you know, so, uh, but but and I myself on my own channel, I got all kinds of stuff on there and I'm kind of all over the place. But I have taken a run at like materialism and the materialistic yeah. paradigm and 
how it's destroying the planet and, and how yeah. it's just full of crap. Because a lot of these issues that we talk about and are concerned about, whether it's the financial system or, you know, banking or whatever, it's a lot of it's just completely arbitrary. I mean, we were shocked in Canada because, you know, when COVID first hit, the government came out with all this money for people. And prior to then, everyone was like, you know, we don't have enough money for this. We don't have enough money for that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly, you know, there's everybody's, they're throwing money around like it, like it's growing on trees and everyone's like, what the hell, right? What was all this bitching and moaning and complaining for years about not being able to do social programs or whatever? And now suddenly you just pull billions of dollars out of thin air. Hey, well, just be glad you didn't have to deal with Jared Kushner. No, I didn't. But uh, what's the connection? Jared Kushner um, married to Ivana. Ivana yeah, I know. I did, but what's the connection to? He was put in charge of the um, response for COVID. Oh, God. The equipment. And he monetized it. And he decided within a couple of weeks of being given the job, why should we bother cooperating at all with blue states? Right. Because they don't like Donald. So we'll let those governors go down with the ship. They can all just die. And we'll do our negotiation with the red states. Of course. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's so juvenile. I, my point, though, was more about, okay, another example is the 2007, 2008 financial crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the banks, the investment banks, and go, they go crazy. They do all kinds of stupid, idiotic stuff. They completely blow up the global economy. And then they get bailed out by the government. Yeah. Well, if you did the same thing, you'd be out on the street. Yep. Right. It's completely arbitrary. And I mean, yes, there was consequences to if in big investment banks go bankrupt or whatever. My but my point is, is that the rules, we don't play by the same rules. And a no. lot of the stuff, the whole as far as I'm concerned, a lot of economic policy and stuff like that is just completely arbitrary. But people think it's real and it's not. It's just crap. Well, it's a big game and the rules change to uh, advantage the people at the top Ab yeah. absolutely if yeah. jp morgan and people like that i mean you know they they feed people enough scraps just enough scraps to keep them engaged but really they're the ones raking in you know massive amounts of profits at the expense of everyone else they're like it's a parasitic kind of relationship and we're the host basically and i <laughs> and i've kind of argued this point too with the whole when I got into the age of Aquarius and I did Pluto moving into Aquarius and stuff, I'm basically saying all that crap is why we're in this situation, but really the root cause of it. And it gets back to what we started talking about initially is why do people allow this to just happen in the first place? How is it that someone like Putin can even exist that one guy can say, Oh, I'm going to take that country and I'm just going to go massacre hundreds of thousands of people and, and destroy millions of lives well, and, and blow up the global the global economy and i'm just going to do it because i feel like it like how is it that even something like that can even happen in reality speaks to our uh how flawed this whole paradigm is it's a psychopathic understanding on an instinctive level i don't think thought always goes into it uh no, but no, but I'm questioning the fact that that can even occur. You see what I'm getting at? It's not that the fact that Putin's a psychopath, which he clearly is, 
It's the fact that in our world, these kinds of things can even take place. Because they, they know how to operate on people's fears yeah. and prejudices Agreed. and insecurities. Agreed. And, and what did we talk about off camera? That patriarchal, theocratic impulse that people Bingo. are raised with. Who is Putin's best friend these days? The, uh, what's his name? The Mohammed head of... No, uh, the MSB? head of the uh, the Russian Orthodox Church. Oh, I don't. What's he called? I know who you mean. Patriarch, I think is his name. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. Patriarch. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's a How fascist religious that? organization. They don't even pretend. They call him the no. Patriarch. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's my point, though, is is that collectively, as beings, you know, we're all kind of responsible for buying into that those ridiculous and absurd and, and self-undermining and self-defeating paradigms. And that's what we have to change. Like even, even the political system in the U S it drives me nuts. I'm not an American. I'm Canadian, but oh, feel it, free, feel it, free. it drives me nuts because you have the Republicans on the one hand who are just abhorrent, you know, completely horrible and clearly, you know, they're working on behalf of the plutocrats and they don't give a crap about anybody else. And it's obvious it's just based on their policies. Like, you don't have to be a rocket science to observe that. But then the Democrats are so middling and weak <laughs> that you go like, okay, this it's like a choice between the devil and some kind of demon or something. I'm not saying that the, the Democrats are demons, but it's, it's like he just went and met with a Saudi king or prince and i'm just kind of like the whole thing was so humiliating and i'm like why did he even what were they thinking why did he even do that i heard somebody trying to justify it yesterday and i was only listening with half an ear but the explanation was something to the effect that he's got lots of advisors they're looking at a larger plan a more long-term plan the the impression that it gives people in the moment is really bad oh god but they're they're playing that game to get what they want a little farther down the road now like i said i wasn't giving it my full attention and even if i had if it had anything to do with economics and gas production and all i it would go over my head i don't really know anything about that just bad. well it's there bad. there might be there might be some hidden agenda that we know nothing about uh, right it's, it's beyond our intellectual capacity to comprehend it certainly appears that way but um it's it just it just doesn't look good to for the president of the united states to go and and humiliate himself in front of a tiny country like saudi arabia who's a brutal dictatorship and you know misogynist like it it's it just looks really, really bad. I I did a reading a couple of a week or so ago about you know this topic of Biden and the Democrats being so ineffectual, and people got really upset with me because I mean I I voted for Biden. I think he's a decent human being, but you need more than just decency and good intentions. I think he's living in a political paradigm that's long gone absolutely that's my and, opinion too and and what this requires right now is somebody like Zelensky somebody who's going to call it as he sees it be strong a fighter a, appeal to young people and yeah. those fresh I, impulses. Uh, 
I was just reading something the last week, and I think it was in the Washington Post about, I shared it. It might have been the Atlantic. Um, young people are just not turned on by the Biden administration because they feel that their posture is, is far is is not nearly aggressive enough on Correct. issues that matter Correct. to them from from climate to yeah. social issues to the abortion thing to whatever yeah. and they're, they're really they're really turned off by it and i agree with you i personally just to be clear i completely agree with your analysis of biden i think he's a nice guy he's a genuine guy i think he's just really old school and the reality that he's familiar with does simply does not exist anymore that it's basically we're at war <laughs> and uh he's trying to be conciliatory with all these people who are basically yeah. snakes oh my god i was just gonna say oh yeah he just took the word oh my god stop it john uh i was gonna say he's calling mitch mcconnell his esteemed opponent and mitch mcconnell is a snake absolutely yeah these are like the kind of what what was that parable where where was it was it the scorpion or something and somebody's right it's the scorpion across. oh it's just in my nature the scorpion yes. sting. yeah yeah it's just in, I, why, why did you sting me well it's just in my because nature, yeah. that's what i do <laughs> i'm yeah. i'm a i'm yeah. a psychopath or whatever you know you yeah. can't you can't you can't just Actually, I had a kind of a blow up on my channel and I did a whole video on this, too, because I kind of got into an argument because I'm I'm so derisive towards certain characters and figures, political figures and whatnot. And they said, well, this isn't spiritual. You're being negative and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, do you understand, you know, what we're dealing with here and what this is, existential. This is, this is an existential threat? Yeah. And like it, I said to my son the other day. I said, you know, if I was in Ukraine, I would be out there fighting the Russians. Absolutely. No hesitation. You know, if if somebody tried to invade Canada, some fascists or whatever, hell yeah. I'd, I mean, some, some Minnesotan. <laughs> well, you know, but, you know, the Second World War, I mean, whole generations of men went to Europe to fight off fascism. Thank God. If, if Hitler hadn't been stopped, can you imagine how reality would be different? I mean. There's a there's a point where you have to go like okay I'll I'll sacrifice the rest of this incarnation to do the right thing because I can just come back here again and repeat um, and there's no bad karma for defending yourself you know and I'm not suggesting we go to war but I'm saying that an addict a, a, a proportionate response is required and I'm not seeing it from the Democrats as far as I'm concerned correct. Correct. And in fact, there there is a faction in the Democratic Party. They paint them as far left progressive radicals. You right. Know? Right. And, and it's mostly women and it's mostly women of color. And some of them are uh, Muslim. So they've got fodder to characterize them as lunatics. And that's what they do every day. Ayanna Presley and... Uh, Jayapal and uh, AOC, Ocasio Cortez. And, right. Uh, Who's brilliant, women, by the way. Pardon? Who is brilliant, by the way. Oh, she is the I love only her. one, the only one who has come out and characterized the entire Trump fiasco for the moral failing that it is and, and, and sidestepped the politics and, and said we need 
a philosophical approach. Well, she didn't use that exact terminology, but that is what she said, that, that we can argue politics all day long. The reality is this is immoral. This man is uh, hurting people. Absolutely. She's just speaking the truth, you yes. know, and, and you know what's going to happen to her at it? Cause somebody I think was did a reading on her and they said, well, she's just going to end up leaving politics because yeah. she won't be able to take the BS. Well, I think she's been threatened and she is, uh, uh, I believe she was raped when she was younger. And so she's carrying that trauma. Right. And this is, you know, this is bringing that all up to the surface. She's, I've heard her talk about this and say that she has had, so many sexual um, threats, right? Which is what they did with Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. They weren't just going to go hold her hostage and kill her. There was yeah. all sorts of graphic, pornographic, right, uh, stuff that they were going to do to her because that, that's what it always boils down to with women. You know? Yeah, and and that's what fascists do. They intimidate. Mm-hmm. And they shut people up and then eventually they take over and then, you know, you're all screwed, right? Because mm-hmm. at some point, you know, where, you know, it was like, think of the French resistance during the Second World War or whatever. I mean, you know, at some point you have to put your foot down and just friggin' do the right thing. And That's if right. that means fighting and, you know, for future generations and the, and the future of the planet, well, big friggin' deal. So it's not, in fact, I'm arguing that it's immoral to not. Uh, confront these kinds of things when you're faced yeah. with them because you're talking about the whole future of humanity and the planet. So, uh, it, it, so you know, but there's certain people within the spiritual community who just think that, oh, you know, you're just being negative. And I'm like, well, you know what's negative is fascism, especially if the world, you know, if America went fascist, it, it'd be a complete catastrophe for the entire planet. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard from a number of people that, uh, talking about this stuff is putting negative energy out there. It's too depressing. It's too um, <laughs> morose. And and I'm thinking, let's talk about this in the gulag. When we're sitting next to each other in the gulag, we'll have plenty of time to converse about the good energy. In the meantime, these are real-life physical material threats that need to be addressed, or we're not going to have the luxury of philosophizing. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, like as far as I'm concerned, like you said, it is it's absolutely existential. So yeah. you know, we are material beings as well as spiritual beings, and yeah. we exist on different dimensions. We're multi-dimensional, and you know, we have certain duties and responsibilities here in the physical world too. That's that's what sad the role Saturn plays in astrology, and uh, you know, it's about honor and integrity and and doing the right thing and making sacrifices sometimes. I mean. You know, we we really recognize and appreciate people in history who have made great sacrifices for the benefit of humanity for good reason. Well, who do you think of? I mean, when I think about resistance during World War Two, I think about people like Bonhoeffer. I think about people like the Shoals, the White mm-hmm. Rose, people mm-hmm. who m- maybe didn't pick up arms, you know, weren't politicians, but were also unafraid to disseminate the truth in whatever way they could you know yeah and they and people were taking risks even if it even if they weren't out in the trenches they were a lot of people took a lot of risks because bad things could happen to you if you if you know (laughs) Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, a theologian and he was actually in New York he was on the east coast someplace and when he saw what was happening he intentionally went back to Germany so that he could be in the thick of things to speak 
the truth about what was going on. And, you know, Hitler was really uh, considered Christianity his enemy. And Bonhoeffer was coming from that real Christian point of view. And uh, they they executed him. Um, and then there's, uh, was it Niemeyer, Niemeyer, who wrote the poem, First They Came for the Socialists. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. I think, I think, I think he, did he die in a concentration camp? I think he might have. Yeah. And a lot of thinkers, a lot of people who spoke out the Shoals were executed. And I mean, Sophie Scholl was 20 years old when she was beheaded. They beheaded them. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we like, you know, uh, I don't want people to think like that. I want all this crazy shit to happen. I'm actually pissed off that it's happening because it stresses me out. I would much rather live in a world where we could talk about, you know, more enlightened things uh, and not have to st be stressed out about all this kind of crap. But we don't, right? Yeah, this is like, not how I planned on spending my golden years. No, me neither. I, I, I got, as I've said before, I think on here even as well, uh, that I start, I really got alarmed when Trump, when Trump was elected. That was when the real alarm bells started to go off in my head. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is just not going to end well. Um, so uh, prior to then, I was really focused on the environment, on, on environmental stuff. And then I said that, oh, this is a serious threat. Not only Trump, because there was other things happening in other countries as well. There was a period of time there during the teens when, you know, fascism started to sort of raise its head and, you know, uh, Greece and the Golden Dawn. And, you know, there yeah. were various things going on in different Duterte places. Duterte in the Philippines. Yes, and all yeah. these characters, and you're just like, where the hell are they coming from? And why? What, is this what does this trend represent? And it really, I think, represents the disenfranchisement of a lot of people who don't have a framework to express their outrage other than to lash out in these kind of more sort of primal ways. Yeah. And but the tool that they're using globally interestingly enough, is people's attachment to their religious belief. And I was shocked. I looked into Sri Lanka because I didn't know what was going on in Sri Lanka. Did you know that Sri Lanka is actually a, a form of fascism being driven by Buddhists? No, I didn't know. I didn't know that. No. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't get into that level of detail. Well, no. I, I don't know a lot about it. I do know that they have uh, ethnic diversity there that is not well accepted by the majority group and they're going after different more vulnerable ethnic populations within Sri Lanka but attached to that is religious belief Islam and Hinduism right. versus the majority Buddhists and the Buddhists have made that their reason for becoming fascistic yeah where was the other country that went had to like almost a junta military Malaysia coup, and they they kind of started persecuting people on the basis of religious grounds and stuff. That's right. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is like so dark ages. Why are we still doing this? And, and you know, look, go back, go back to the uh, former Soviet states. Look at uh, Chechnya. Chechnya just had a gay purge. They actually actively sought out and murdered yeah as many gay people as they could. And I, I, you know, I. Look into my crystal ball, and I predict that we're going to see something maybe not as extreme, but it might as well be in this country. They're going to get rid of marriage equity. They're going to get. They're going to re 
establish sodomy laws, you know, all those laws mm -hmm. that are nobody's beeswax if you're two adults, right? And uh, they're going to go after people the way that they did uh, during, what's his face, uh, <laughs> FBI, what was his name? Oh, J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar you know, Hoover. He actively, actively trapped and trapped gay people mm -hmm. on purpose just out of spite or well there's a lot of interest well he was theories. gay himself wasn't he lots of theories lots of theories i don't yeah. know he didn't, he but, didn't consult with me john see, <laughs> see we, there was a period of time after i think it was around when obama got elected that you know they called it the end of history right that that all of this kind of strife and idiocy was oh, kind of right. over. racism was over yeah and yeah. we were lulled into this false sense of security. And it was pretty relaxing at that time, except for the environmental stuff, which I was really involved in at the time. And so to be dealing with this, I have something to say about this because because I just because people, I don't want people to think that it's going to be like this forever. As far as I'm concerned, this is part of Pluto transiting Capricorn. And we're this, in labor. Yeah, well, this what Pluto will do, anybody who's into astrology or knows a little bit about astrology will know that when you have significant Pluto transits, it you go you will go through these really intense purging kinds of experiences, right. either yourself or they will be mirrored to you from interactions with other people. But a lot of dark inner darkness of your own can get can be brought to light through these experiences and it can be extremely distressing because you can uh, you can become aware of things that just are almost shocking well they can be quite shocking at times and that's kind of the purging of the darkness right and pluto is tr has been transiting capricorn what is it since 2009 and it's about to it's about to finish and capricorn represents the institutions and the structures that uh, that play, authoritarian kind that, of stuff. Yeah, that that play a very significant role in society. The the banks, the the government, the people in power, the people who govern society, that kind of thing. And um, so we are seeing the worst because that's what Pluto is doing. It's it's purging, it's bringing it to our conscious awareness. So what we're seeing now is extreme, and that's another Plutonian quality. And all of this kind of extreme stuff. It's going to start ending in the next year or two. Like it'll reach a climax. And then we will have gone through that period of transformation. So it's possible that a lot of the things that we're really freaking out about right now are they're completely valid and real because they're in our faces. And that, you know, obviously. But that this purging process will shift in the, the not too distant future. What do you think it will take? And I don't, I don't, uh, reject the notion that Trump might come back again. I, I, I think that's entirely possible, but I don't think it matters because I think he's opened Pandora's box right. and given carte blanche to all of these white supremacist, white nationalist nut jobs, and they're coming up from under their rocks and there's plenty to replace him should he not be around. What do you think it will take in 2024 to put a stop to that? Or do well, you think I, that's I, going to be the process. I mean, God, if I could, if I could really answer that question, you know, uh, uh, it'd be great. But uh, I can speculate. I think that what's going well, to happen. That's what my channel is all about. I, I think uh, rumor. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let me qualify it as it's pure speculation. But I think what's going to happen is that the dark side, 
is just going to go too far. And how, how do you see that? Well, if they start, say they go after like more broad, more broadly reproductive rights, like contraception and things like that, or gay marriage or some other idiot, like who gives a crap what people do, what consenting adults do in the privacy of their bedroom? Honestly, like what effing difference does it make? None. Um, uh, Pierre Trudeau, our former prime minister of Canada, said that the state has no business in the bedroom of the nation. Um, but if they start going after that kind of stuff, I think you're going to see like a revolt. Like it'll wake people up. You think it will? I think so. I think that you'll get people will get engaged when they cross some kind of a line. I don't know what the line is, but I think that like, for example, say the say the Supreme Court gives the power to the states to d decide electors and who can call the federal oh, election. Yes. Yeah, that's if, coming up in front of the Supreme they'll, Court. They'll just go they'll just go too far. And then people will just go like, okay, this is crazy. Um, you know, we have to stop this. And they will basically end up mobilizing the opposition who will then support, presumably, the Democrats who will then undo a lot of this BS. Here's why I worry, John. The Supreme Court starts up again a new session in October. Yeah. And they usually run till June. They tend to cherry pick um, what they announce when they announce their decisions. They save the big guns towards the end, as yep. with Roe, right? Well, one of the big things they're looking at now is a case called Moore. And it, you know, Eastman, the lawyer who had mm -hmm. the plan mm -hmm. to take, take, Pence out of the picture, return the electors to the states, yep. and let the state legislators appoint their own slate of electors. Well, right. thirty plus state legislators are late legislatures are Republican, and that right. would have handed it all to Trump. Yeah, it was against. It, it's, it would be basically bypassing uh, democracy. Well, it's against the law, against the Constitution. Except now, the Supreme Court is going to pronounce on a plan that's what more case of more is should they decide in what we would call the wrong direction it will make what eastman proposed perfectly acceptable and legal right that's what that i was, was referring true. to this is what i was referring to a minute or so ago yeah about, i know but I'm, i don't have any faith that the supreme court won't yeah but that that that, that could that. E that could evoke kind of an almost sort of constitutional crisis because uh, people would just basically say, well, what what the hell happened to democracy, <laughs> right? Where, what about my vote? What about what I want as an elect, as as a, a person with, as a citizen, basically? Um, this would be a one of, another one of those examples of where I would expect that a lot of people just would not find that appropriate or acceptable at all. Well, what are they going to do? The Supreme Court rules that it's okay? Well, you know, in... <sighs> I mean, I did a whole video called the USA Pluto Return Civil War Transformation. So, you know, and there's there's a lot of people who who still speculate that that is that if things get pushed too far, there could be um, actual civil unrest of it on a significant magnitude. Uh, but it kind of like there's so many variables. It kind of depends yeah. on what is what does Biden do? Could they? Could they stack the court? <laughs> Could they get rid of the filibuster? Could they? Why hasn't he? I don't know. Why hasn't the why DOJ? Hasn't why hasn't the DOJ? Why is the January 6th commission doing all the work that the DOJ should have done like months ago? 
because the Democrats are so concerned about appearances, they don't want to seem political. I, I don't get it. It doesn't like I've said this before, and I think I might have even said it here. And this is probably going to piss off a lot of people, but no, I don't care. The, the, the Democrats, in some, in, in many ways, are so spineless and so incompetent in in certain regards that I've often wondered if they're complicit. Well, we know two who are. Wait, well, absolutely, yes. clearly, yep. But but uh, you know, you can be complicit and operate in more subtle ways without being in your everyone's face about it, and they could be undermining. Biden, the Biden administration in all kinds of ways that people just have no clue about. Or maybe well, there's maybe there's plant there's people who are planted in yeah. and because because if I was like uh, the Koch brothers or whatever and I was an evil genius, I would most certainly have people uh, spies in the moles basically moles. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the in the yeah. strewn throughout the whole Democratic Party yeah. to basically try and s steer them in certain directions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, at the risk of really irritating a lot of people, because I've brought this up before, I'm going to bring it up again, and I'm going to preface it by saying we have a moral responsibility when the people we choose to lead stop leading and do something immoral. If we say nothing, we're complicit. So I'm speaking out. Nancy Pelosi refused to agree to prevent politicians from playing the stock market profiting right. from the yeah. stock market. I know yeah. that that's, you know, that's a very um, uninformed way to characterize it, but essentially she just wouldn't even consider making some regulation that it was yeah. unethical for people yeah. in office and their spouses to yeah. profit from the stock market. It that's takes, an ethical wrong. It takes millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to run elections. So the politicians need their benefactors and they need large amounts of money from them. It's it's kind of built into the system. It shouldn't be. That's the problem right off the bat. That's because right. then you get people who are only made motivated by the money and not the that's right. Not the the best outcome for the country. And that's what's happened is that American politics has basically uh, become extremely corrupt. And what we're talking and none of this would be happening if it wasn't for that level of corruption. It's you know, and yeah. that's part of the USA Pluto return. I think is throwing all that stuff in our face and so the system needs to be it needs very significant and overall deep, yeah yeah reforms like yeah. for the 21st century kind of thing yeah. because it's yeah. it's clearly not working you know the rich keep getting their taxes reduced and everybody else gets screwed and it mm -hmm. just it goes on and on and on and yeah it's very clear you can you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to think this you can just simply look at the policies that are being implemented and who they benefit yeah. and who they don't like the Republicans, the Republicans basically just came out the other day and said, they don't want, they don't basically want to do anything about climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which would completely destroy if, if it was unchecked, America would just basically cease to exist. Eventually this is how serious it is. Well, and it goes hand in hand with the recent Supreme court decision to deregulate the EPA. Right. That, I mean, the, these are these are targeted, deliberate efforts on the part of people who want to. It's all about greed and profit. I think it's worse than that, John. I have I have this theory that I harp on constantly. Maybe I'm completely off my rocker. I've been damaged by my upbringing, but I, I maintain 
and a lot of people agree with me, this is a concerted, long-term, decades and decades active plan of the very, very right-wing, radical Christian organizations that want to bring on the second coming. Oh, they, I mean, Ronald Reagan said so to the UN. Well, if we blow each other up with nukes, maybe that's not such a bad thing. You know, Jesus is coming back. And they, they embrace setting up a political and environmental environment that matches the predictions in the book of Revelations, one of them being the temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. And that was why yep. the steps towards that are why uh, Trump declared, okay, we're going to consider Jerusalem the capital, not Tel Aviv or you know, wherever it was. Uh, this is all trying to manifest the book of Revelations. Right. These organizations, these religious organizations are all complicit. Six out of the nine Supreme Court justices are extreme right-wing Christian, Catholic, people of praise, Patriots Arise, Opus Dei, the Heritage Foundation, the family. You see, They're though, I, my own view on that is that I think that the religious groups are just a tool of the oligarchs or the plutocrats. Well, yes, yes, you're right. but but it, They it, just it, manipulate them yes. so that they can, you know, like they'll throw a whole bunch of stuff into a bill and the important thing is tax reductions for the rich or, or getting rid of environmental regulations or whatever else it is. And they'll throw some bones to the religious community and people like that, some scraps just to keep them happy so that they, they can keep them on side so that they will basically continue to support policies that make them wealthier and pow more powerful mm -hmm. so i i think it's personally more about at the very top it's yeah it's money yeah and power yeah. but but the people who have bought into this religious nonsense are more than delighted to have the opportunity to perpetuate their agenda and you know i i don't understand it perplexes me why there's not more of a pushback against this whole roe v wade thing because it's predicated on the belief that life starts at fertilization that's a religious belief it is yes that's the imposition it's of ridiculous religion. lots and lots of religions don't believe that no they they, 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 they just made that up they just kind of made that up right i mean it's red meat for the base and so this is the kind of stuff that will get people out to vote. I mean, the uh, religious groups in the U.S. were politicized, what, when the 1980s? I mean, prior to then, they, they, had, they didn't want anything to do with politics. So these issues are the kind of, like I said, it's just red meat. Well, they, actually, the, the, people, with, the people, it, like at the top, they don't actually give a crap about any of that stuff. Well, it started with the John Birch Society and Goldwater and Welch, you know, Welch's grape juice. Yeah, but I mean, when, yeah. when, when the religious right in the U.S. was significantly mobilized, it didn't occur until much more recently. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking about the uh, moral majority. Yes. And Ray, Reed was his name. Reed and then uh, Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich was, was, was part of that. That was the 80s, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Early, yeah, early 80s. and um, and so, like I said, a lot of these kinds of social policies and uh, culture war kind of stuff is just like it's like Fox News. It's it's 
it's just throwing meat to the base. They don't actually care about those issues themselves, but it's a way of distracting people and getting them engaged and on board because who else would vote for, for a lot of these policies that the Republicans are putting forward. These people will overlook all of this other stuff because you know, they're single voter issue. They're single issue voters. I'll give you an example. I have a very close friend who we're no longer friends and Donald Trump is directly to blame for it. And I made the huge mistake not having read Dr. Stephen Hassan's book called Trump. Uh, I, I didn't understand the, the neurological stuff going on. And this friend was raised in a particularly fundamentalist family, moved away from that, was a hippie, dis, dis, disentangled from any sort of religious stuff until we've been friends for decades. All of a sudden, she found Jesus. Now, I didn't know Jesus was lost. Did you know that? Well, she found him and jumped in with both feet. Now, this is a person who has significant trauma in her background mm. and espoused this Christian, moral, middle-of-the-road set of values and loved Donald Trump. And I kept trying to say, but, but Why? he brags about sexual assault. And he's been married X number of times. You don't believe in that. Yeah. And, and yeah. I enumerated his... He's a serial liar. I mean... Endless you know. flaws. Endless, endless crimes, sins, flaws, yeah. and yeah. degradations. So and what was their attraction? Was but he's pro-life. Exactly. Yeah. I had a friend, I had a friend who, um, uh, liked to hunt and be out in the woods and stuff like that. Kind of an old school, old timer kind of thing. Right. A super nice guy, very progressive, super, you know, um, he was, he was a wonderful human being, but he would vote for the conservative party in Canada because they wanted to get rid of restrictions on guns. And I would say to him, like, well, what about all these other things? Like, you know, the environment, the women's rights, re reproductive rights, all this other stuff. And he's just like, well, I just, all I care about is guns. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, you're basically voting this. They're, they're evil, you know, in a lot of ways. And you're supporting them because of this one issue. Because friggin They guns. intentionally chose that issue. In order to manipulate the voters. That's my point. That's my point about the, the culture wars and everything else. It's just all politics to mobilize those people. You can see video of Donald Trump from the 70s and 80s talking, and 90s, talking about him being uh, pro-choice. He was a Democrat. <laughs> he, he, had an, he had an affair with a porn star. I mean, you know, like, you, the hypocrisy could not be more, uh, more off the charts. It's just when he opened his first hotel in in Manhattan, he bought his television sets from a purveyor of merchandise that was a KGB operative, who was a guy who was I forget the term they use, but he's salted into American population by the KGB to look for recruits, un, uh, right. unwitting recruits, useful idiots. And right, right. The, the, ex, the explanation was they throw 100 pieces of spaghetti on the wall, and if one sticks, it's a success, and Donald right. Trump was the one. Yeah, because it cost them almost nothing to do that. That's right. And That's if right. you look at the damage that Trump did to America that, as an investment, even if they spent a few hundred million bucks on him, it's peanuts. 
I mean, it, it's you spend a few hundred million bucks on some nuclear warheads, you know, it's like it's nothing. So they're not I'm not advocating what they're doing, but they're not stupid. Oh, no, it's very thought out and it's an understanding of psychology. Yeah. And, and you, you also want to divide American culture and, you you know, you, right. all of these. So Fox News contributes to that, whether they're doing That's it right. witting, wittingly or unwittingly. Who the oh, hell knows? Witty. No, but I mean, I mean, wittingly from the perspective of an adversary, say, like China or Russia, yeah. you know, I mean, uh you know, there Rupert Murdoch is is profiting from all of the uh, eyeballs, but is he part of a conspiracy to undermine American society? You know, uh, who knows? Maxwell was Maxwell was a triple agent. Did you know that? No. Maxwell worked for the KGB. He worked for the CIA, and he worked for MI5. Interesting. Or is it MI6? One of I those wonder, numbers. I wonder yeah. who he who he was actually serving. Well, he was a double agent, and that's why he was murdered. He didn't mm -hmm. jump off his boat naked in the middle of the night. Come on. Mm -hmm. He was murdered. And uh, Epstein, same thing. They were working with Mossad. They were working with the CIA. They were working with KGB. And this is not me um, speculating. There are entire books about it. American Compromise by Craig Unger. Greg right. Oliar's book, yeah. Dirty Rubles. Yeah. Uh, there's... Tons of documentation. Here's here's one thing I don't understand about that, right? It's kind of like the Secret Service text messages that went missing recently, very conveniently, you know, right from January 5th and 6th. Yeah, yeah. Um, the NSA has, because the, this was revealed quite explicitly in the Snowden revelations from Edward Snowden, who he said that the NSA basically archives everything. Every bit of digital information that traverses the phone lines, the internet, whatever, they archive all of it. Mm -hmm. Everything. Like your phone calls, your John. where you are, uh -oh. your phone location data. <laughs> like, forget it. Like, like the whole everything that crosses the internet is recorded. So why why so there's <laughs> so it raises to now. The NSA is supposed to be doing this stuff in secret because they don't want people to be panicking about it. So they might not go to the Department of Justice and whatever and say, oh, we have those text messages, by the way. But they would certainly be aware of, of any kind of, unless you, it was said that the the KG, it's not the KGB anymore. What's it called? No, the FSB. Yeah, yeah. The FSB. It was said that they started using typewriters not too long ago because they realized that to avoid, any, yeah. anything digital was like very likely to be spied on. And um, so any kind of communications within the orbit of the Trump administration and uh, their, and those who are, who are complicit with them is probably recorded somewhere. So if the intelligence agencies have information that there was an actual conspiracy to undermine America, treasonous kind of stuff, why would they have not made it available or come forward with it? This is a threat maybe to national did. security. Maybe, you know, maybe they did. Well, maybe know. maybe Biden knows this kind of, for example, or people within the Biden administration know exactly what was done, but they can't, maybe they can't use this data publicly or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not good at anticipating, I'm not a very good chess player. I'm not good at anticipating 
craftiness one or two steps ahead i'd make a horrible spy well uh, my argument my argument was that if trump was actually an asset of a, a useful idiot for say putin mm -hmm. they would not have known that a long time ago they, oh they do know they, they no but, but they would have know. why would they have not done something about it unless exactly. unless it was unless it was kind of like one of those double agent kind of things where they were they were trying to you know, because there are situations where they will be aware that somebody is compromised, but they allow them to be compromised just so that they can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. No, they did. They did know 17 different U.S. intelligence agencies. Now, there's the usual CIA, FBI, NSA, but then all these different departments, Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, they all have their own little spy group, too. There are seven, the Department of the Treasury. Now, there's 17 of them. They And I've been listening to political podcasts when I walk every day now for eight years. They all came out, 17 of them came out and said, forget about Al-Qaeda, forget about ISIS. Our real issue here is white domestic terrorism, right. white racist nationalist yes. nut jobs. Yes. Yep. They, they, and they have been crying this from the roofs and nobody did anything about it and i so extrapolating from that i fully have no problem believing that they did and and there's evidence well here's an here's an example well, wait wait though no, we're, we're 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 kind of talking about two different things i'm suggesting no, I know, that, I, I know, that I, I'm, I'm suggesting that an american president was willfully compromised and was functioning as an asset of a yes of, of a uh an, a for an enemy yes yes <laughs> that's but, a, but, that's but a, it, something that's so unprecedented and so but, dramatic and and serious that that any agencies that had that level of intelligence and who didn't address it yeah i mean that alone is, a, is an well, extremely serious breach of national security that was my example that these sorts of things do happen here's an example right. of white supremacists okay so uh, oh my God, I'm so bad with names now. And I forget the guy's name. I want to say Robert Fuller. I have the wrong name. I've got the book downstairs. Um, was a guy who worked for the FBI. He was one of the founding American families of Opus Dei, the Catholic group. Okay. He, of whom, uh, of which Bill Barr is a big member. He's on the board. Mm -hmm. So at the time, Bill Barr was the attorney general first time. So this guy, Robert, whose name escapes me, I'm an idiot, uh, worked for the FBI and was selling American secrets to the Russians as an FBI agent. Uh, about 10 years into it, he did it for 10 years, he got caught by his wife. She took him to their priest who told his brother, it's it's kind of convoluted, but the facts are all there to document it, who went to Bill Barr and said, uh, my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law is selling state secrets to the Russians. Barr let it continue for another 10 years by, what was his response? What did he do? He promoted the guy to the job of head of the FBI department that oversees Russian interference. He was. Why given, would he do that? You tell me, but it's documented. This is not 
this is not uh, like Barr should have been prosecuted as a for an enabling a, a compromising national security. I rest my case. I mean, if that's all factually, you know, it's that. It's it, it absolutely that. Well, I mean, you see, if if that's true, I, I don't know the details of the story myself. I'll take what you're saying at face value. But if, if that's guy, true, if that's true, then then, then then that's a failure of the justice system. That's another level of corruption that that needs to be. Like this, all this stuff needs to just stop <laughs> because I mean, I'm not an American. I don't want America to fall into a state of anarchy because I recognize I'm not an idiot. I recognize that the effects on the planet would be uh, just incomprehensible. Plus, it's, we're your next door neighbor. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I mean, the, the other superpower of real concern is China. And they're yeah. an authoritarian state with a, yeah. a, a terrible human rights record. Um, and so, you know, the, we don't want America to become like a banana republic. But Too that late. seems to be what's happening. Too late. Well, all of this stuff, that's why it gets back to what we were talking about with Biden. That's why you need somebody who's basically just going to say, enough. Like, we're getting rid of the rot, whether it's in the security, to be the intelligence agencies. The judiciary, uh, the political why is system. Chris, why is Chris Ray still in his job? Why is DeJoy still ahead <sighs> the head of the post office? Well, we don't like DeJoy, but I don't know that there's any evidence, criminal evidence that could be that would stand up in a court of law that would, you know, cause us to get rid of him. I don't know. Is there? Well, he was complicit in undermining the efficiency and yeah. functioning of the But post being office. incompetent is not, you know, criminal well, it behavior. Though. It was at the behest. I mean, they know that. I know, I know, but you, you can't prove, like, you have to be able to prove criminal intent and just being an idiot doesn't mean, you, you know, know. Which comes back to what I argue all the time. I can't even park outside my house and not turn my wheels to the curb on a hill. Oh. They come to my front door and they give me a parking ticket. Mm -hmm. These people are destroying democracy. That's my point. With this is my point. And, you know, it 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 links uh, right back beautifully into the whole environmental thing. Uh, we're allowing, you know, fossil fuel companies to just keep selling us like extremely overpriced fossil fuels that are destroying the planet. And it goes and it's been going on despite it, you know, it being a clear and present danger for decades. And, you know, so the system is completely defunct and corrupt to the point where it's threatening the viability of our biosphere yeah, and societies and everything else. And so there's a tremendous amount of house cleaning that needs to be done and it's, and it needs to be done urgently. I was listening to, I sometimes listen to once in a while, I listen to Tom Hartman yeah. as a podcast and he had mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders on the other day, just for like <laughs> 15, <laughs> for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I was just like, Oh my God, everything he said makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? He's like the only politician who actually speaks the truth in a rational way. Yeah. And all the other politicians are just spewing all this bullshit just to try to kind of keep people engaged and not make themselves look like idiots. And there's, you know, and Bernie could have been the president. I know. Hey, he was my candidate. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't we need more people like him. <laughs> I love Bernie. Uh, I and and you know who he's really close to is Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. I can see why. Yeah, yeah, yeah because Justice. they have integrity. Right. 
And, you know, this isn't a right-left kind of thing. Like, I, I really dislike uh, um, the tribalism, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I don't give a crap. Like, in Canada, because we have more political parties. Yeah, you do. I vote strategically every time. Yeah. Just because I really, I will vote for the best person and not, like, the party. I don't, I'm not married to the party. Um, <clears throat> and that's a problem, too, right? That we don't. We can't, our electoral systems are a complete mess. Like the electoral college in the U.S. is insane. It's completely stupid and ridiculous. Well, it was it was created to advantage uh, right. white male landowning slavers. Right. And rural states that don't, would that might not have enough say. But, I mean, look at how much, you know, things have changed since then. It's, you know, you have cities of like you know 20 million people or whatever so oh you, um, you mean they've changed so dramatically that the white male rich landowning racists are not in charge anymore john oh i'm not saying that <laughs> i'm not saying that but yeah i'm just saying that you know the system is archaic and ridiculous and idiotic in a lot of ways and it needs a complete overhaul and uh, that is one thing that Trump said. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, the thing about draining the swamp, of course, he was using it in its in its reverse Orwellian kind of meaning, which yes. is what Republicans do. Like That's basically, right. whatever they accuse the Democrats of doing is the stuff that they're actually doing themselves. It's psychological and, and it, it's, disorder. Yeah, it's a they're just projection. Projection. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's so obvious. But like I said, this thing with Bernie was just like I'm like, oh my god, like I'm listening to him. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. He, yeah. he and Sheldon Whitehouse are the only two that I can think of right off the top of my head who actually mean what they say, say what they mean, and seem to have some sort of integrity. And then there's the 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 Democratic sacrificial lamb who should never have quit, Al Franken, one of the smartest people who was ever in I like the Al Senate. Franken. Pardon? I like him a lot. I like Al Franken a lot. Have you ever heard his uh, podcast? Yes, I have, yep. Yeah, he's interviewing Malcolm Nance. On, he did on Sunday, and I haven't listened to it yet. I'm oh, really? saving it uh, for when I go on my walk today. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, Malcolm I'll be, Nance, I'll be, I'll be honest with you with respect to his podcast. Uh, it's not the deepest material that I that I find the most no, interesting. No, I think he's trying to introduce ideas <clears throat> to people on a large scale. You know. Yeah, I my favorite uh, po podcast is a background briefing with Ian Masters. Oh, yes, you suggested that a couple yeah. of days ago. He, yeah, yeah. They, like, they get really into the they substance really of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, like, um, like, and, and very good guests who are experts or really good journalists or, you know, that write for the New York Times, Washington Post, Guardian, whatever. And there's some really interesting stuff there. But that's like, that's the, there's so little of that. There's almost none. I don't understand. I just, I just don't get it why there's, why everything is so superficial with the media in the U.S. and because not just the U.S. but elsewhere. Have been changed, and people no longer have an attention span. People spend so much time interacting with screens, reading hypertext, which is really bad for your memory mm -hmm. and for retention. And you know, people are always telling me, "Well, if you don't want to go to the library because of COVID." Because when I was at the library, I watched crazy people blow their noses in random books. I can't even take out a library oh book anymore. God. I know. I know. I There's know. no hope for humanity. <laughs> it's horrible. That's just so, so I, disgusting. I don't like e-readers. E 
readers because for one reason, the interaction with the screen affects you neurologically, right. but also hypertext has been shown to destroy attention span and retention. And they're using it for kids in school. Right. Than, people, you know. people have the attention spans of gnats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that made me, you reminded me of something else I didn't include in my big long episode on what the hell is going to happen with climate change and how catastrophe will unfold. Oh, did um, you leave something more depressing? Well, <laughs> I, I, one of the things I meant to mention was, is that I have an intuitive feeling that like, I still buy books and things like that, like mm -hmm. real books, mm -hmm. because I have always had a fear that at some point network connectivity might not be available. Mm -hmm. So that the stuff that you just randomly and commonly assume that you can access on the internet in some possible scenario or whatever might not be available anymore. Let's say you had a health emergency and you, you're, you're not uh, within range of a doctor or something. What do you do? You go to look it up on your computer and you're, the internet's down. We just had, in fact, Canada, one of the major backbone providers was down and for several days, millions of people could not do stuff online millions for days uh, i mean were they jumping out of tall buildings oh they were not happy they were not what happy. did they do for entertainment people seem not capable of entertaining themselves well if you if your internet connection was through the one of the alternate providers then you were okay but rogers which was the company involved was one of the big two telcos in canada and um, people couldn't do online banking. They couldn't do online shopping. They couldn't get text messages. They couldn't make phone calls. They couldn't call the emergency line 911. Think about it. That's we, really cut, very scary. Well, imagine if that happened for weeks. Like, let's say there was a conflict with Russia and they just infiltrate and shut down all of our computer networks. It could, it could take days or weeks or who knows how long to bring it all yeah. back. And people are so dependent upon that stuff now that they'd be in a panic. Julie, Julie Kayam, I, Juliet Kayam, I'm so bad with names. I just did her book a few weeks ago uh, about disaster preparedness. She was uh, a high up official in uh, Obama's uh, administration for disasters. And when I, when I, first started reading the book, I kind of committed myself to the time. Uh, I used up too much time committing myself to the beginning of the book, and it didn't unfold the way I thought it was going to unfold. I okay. thought it was going to be much more individual, personal, practical suggestions, more like a self-help book. This was the broader um, science of disaster preparedness okay. with a lot of statistics and stuff like that, but it was really interesting. And having grown up in Southern California, where Earthquake preparedness is always on your mind, or it should be. It really right. should be. Um, the concept of being without 911, without online banking, always have cash on hand, yes. have connections. I know. We're really lucky. We just got new neighbors last year. Young couple bought the house next door when the old lady there died. He's an EMT, and she's an ER nurse, and they work opposite shifts. Oh, perfect. perfect neighbors for a couple of old folks, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we never see them because they're either working or sleeping. It's perfect. It's perfect. Right. No children. 
perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but I mean, as we were talking about, I mean, it it covers everything from like you can't. There were some people who couldn't do things like make their mortgage payments and stuff. Now, oh, wow. if a major, if a Category Five hurricane hit New York City, uh, it could be weeks with no connectivity, Can no power, no. One of those high rises and no elevators and no no air conditioning. I hadn't thought about that. You know, think think you, like think we, all this stuff through. We have no air conditioning. I've never had air. Conditioning. No, but I mean, it's somewhere where it's like uh, with Virginia or further south, or you I know, guess. Texas, like, and yeah. uh, you know where it's extremely hot and you, yeah. but you, you know, uh, years ago we had an ice storm in Ottawa and there were some of the outlying areas around the city didn't get power for two months. So what happened? Well, it, it, the, the, the grid was so severely impacted that, you know, they just couldn't reconstruct no, it. No, but I mean, what happened to people? Oh. Well, people went and, and lived in motels and stuff, and their homes, their pipes froze. Their, you know, it was just, it was just it was terrible. Or they went to Cabo. Well, they, you know, like, you, like people did whatever they had to, but you know, two months. I mean, you can't live in the winter in Canada for two months without power. I mean, well, you unless saw you're. What this this past winter when yeah. they lost their grid. But uh, that's why I met Cabo. Ted Cruz took their senator. He took off to Cabo because yeah. it's too much for him. Did you hear what he's doing now? I he has come out know. just the past couple of days and made some pronouncement. I couldn't read about it. I saw the headlines. I wasn't surprised. He's going after marriage equity. Like he like, like, do you think he actually personally cares about that? Not no, at all. no, I don't think not he cares. at all. No, no it's about he's money. pandering to yeah. it, to his rabid base, basically. Yeah, uh, well, it's about like, money for sure. Yeah, so you know that that's a whole other problem is how do people like that end up in positions of authority? I mean, that right there is just should not happen. Like, there should be a ways of screening out sociopaths and psychopaths from positions of power um you should hear al franken talk about him al franken says that he's the most disliked person in the senate i've heard he that says, he says i i liked I, I i can't stand uh ted cruz and i liked him better than anybody in the senate liked him <laughs> uh he's uh, he's regrettably he's actually was born in canada wasn't he is I think in you're Alberta? right because there's been some discussion about him running for president and, and oh, well, he was born in Canada. He can't be president. Yeah. He was born in Alberta, which is an oil-producing uh, province. Uh, that's the main industry there. And, of course, it's it's the most right-wing part of the country. Oh, is it? Oh, absolutely. It's all because of the oil industry. There was a lot of Texans who moved up to Alberta to help exploit those resources. And they brought kind of that American culture with them from Texas. See, I thought it would be more likely to be, is it Saskatchewan, the, the, the prairies? Uh... Well, Saskatchewan is fairly conservative too, but the most rabid right-wing sort of <laughs> politics are, take place in Alberta. Because it's a, you know, you find this in uh, petroleum, in, in areas where petroleum is a, is a big thing that, that just it tends to be much more right wing because of course they don't want their industry shut down for env environmental reasons yeah. and so yeah. they become very anti-government anti-regulation yeah. just by by default right yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and so they don't, they, they're against climate policies and things like that because yeah. of course it wouldn't yeah. be good for their industry or pollute regulations of like you say, right. any kind. Yeah. Well, they get really libertarian. They only think the government should just be about the military and the police. Yeah. It tends to, because if you look at the rest of the country, if you take Alberta and Saskatchewan kind of out of the equation, we are very strongly progressive overall. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're socialists, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we are democratic socialism. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. We like we have we have uh, public Medicare me medical system and stuff like that. So yeah. Well, it's because your your um, prime minister is uh, the the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro. Yeah. I, people keep <laughs> even some progressive people have said that to me, and I'm just like, oh my god. That's like, hilarious. I, it's one of my favorite political jokes. I mean, I can't believe anyone would believe that. Yeah, it's I know. Hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. Don't get me he started looks on just conspiracy like his theories. Old man. I know. Don't get me started on conspiracy theories. It's just that uh, that drives me nuts. But I think that they're really, you know, there's probably 20 or 30 percent of the population that goes really conspiratorial. But it's it has bled over into other communities a lot over the past few years. And it's quite disturbing. Well, there's a reason for it. And I'm not going to go into it here because it's part of what I'm preparing for reading, you know, mm -hmm. coming up. And my one, my one excitement in my week is withholding the title of the book until okay. the last minute. So I'm not going to say anything further, but there's a reason for that kind of thing. Why a certain percentage of a population becomes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You Does know? it have to do with the authoritarian tendencies? There's a tie-in. Yeah. There's, it, there's a connection yeah. there. there. There's a, what's this, Bob Meyer, Ant Meyer, University of Winnipeg studied authoritarianism for many years and this has guy, a, Milton Meyer? no he no. this is someone else but he has a, a free ebook on this because he studied the authoritarian personality type for for many years and and he describes all the characteristics and the leanings of these people who do represent like 20 30 percent of the population and they're like a really scary bunch of people basically yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. Like they, um, they, they, they want to, they enjoy seeing other people suffer. They want yeah. to inflict pain on other people. It makes them feel good, especially if they're people who believe differently than from them and so forth. You know, um, I, I once had, I recently had somebody come on and comment under one of my YouTube videos that, you know, the people who, the can, the people who've been doing the cancel culture thing need to be punished. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Alito, Alito, Supreme Court Justice is re making reference to the 1600s and witch burning right. in his decision making. What is that insanity? It's bizarre, right? It's it's not rational, really. Like it, it's it's these people have just uh, a lot of malice towards other human beings. They're dangerous, basically. And it's very hard for me to understand. I think it's hard for a lot of people to even comprehend that it exists, right? Because I don't. Turning the tables, I don't advocate going out and hanging Republican. I mean, no, no. But they, you know, there there are certain people who are kind of almost sadistic. They take pleasure right. in the suffering of others. Now, I can't even really comprehend that. It's just very dark to me. I just it's not part of my consciousness. But there's a significant percentage of the population that is like that. It's a you sort know, of this psychopathology. Whole, um, like this whole owning the libs thing. Yeah, They are yeah. doing a lot of really ridiculous things just to piss people off. Right. 
Ruth, Ruth Ben-Giat wrote a book recently called Strong Men, yeah. and she uh, outlines the personality of the authoritarian leader and shows how that particular character will interact with the population and play on their vulnerabilities and appeal to sadists and psychopaths and opportunists and mm -hmm. the greedy and uh it's really interesting how um, there's always a fraction of society who is willing to scramble and take advantage of that ladder that authoritarianism offers them up economically and right. power. And it then, happened in it happened in Germany. Yes, yes. I mean, there were all these people who supported Hitler, and mm -hmm. then after the war, they just all kind of said, "Well, I don't know what came over me and." I just did it because of peer you know pressure. What them after the war? They all like, got jobs as the mayor, the burgomeister. The, the no. there, there is. A, they went on like nothing had happened. All yes, yes. It's it's completely disconcerting. It's and terrifying. The, so you know, I have I've wondered well, how do these people perpetuate themselves? Because would you would you get married to somebody who had like no empathy or was a sociopath? You know, would you let me, let me go would, check? No. Would would you no. breed with somebody like that? Like, how do these people genetically? How do they perpetuate this genetic this gene well, pool? I, I can explain it to you in two words: Jared Ivanka. Uh, I have seen people who are couples, but then I mean, like, you can never really trust these people, right? They could, they would screw you over without even thinking about it. That's right. You know, they they don't have a conscience in, in many ways. Or even worse, like I said, some of them actually want to harm other people and get Who off. Who called them. it? Was it Hannah Arendt called it the banality of evil? Of evil, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. There's a, a fantastic series on YouTube called First Person. It's put out once a month by the United States Memorial Museum of the Holocaust, and it's a, it's a dialogue between the host and a survivor of the Holocaust. And at this point, they're very elderly. And when the war happened, they were extremely young. Mm -hmm. But they talk about that, that one guy was talking about his family owned a big farm outside of a small village in Poland. And every weekend for 17 years, every single week, the Catholic priest came to the farm and asked his father for a tithing. And food donations for the poor. His Jewish father, this is the Catholic priest. And okay. for 17 years, his father never said no. And when the Nazis marched into town, the Catholic priest turned the family in for being Jewish. At the end of the war, when only two daughters survived, they came, or the son and daughter survived, they came back to look for their farm. Guess who owned a big chunk of the farm? The Catholic priest. The Nazis gave it's it just, to him. I mean, this is kind of the definition, well... And it ran evil, right? I mean, and they look like butter wouldn't melt in their mouths. Yeah, I know. People. That's what is so creepy about this whole thing. So right. people can't imagine that the sort of isolated instances of mass shootings and protest type stuff going on, uh, demonstrations of armed people going to the state capitol, that that sort of thing cannot do a slow roll into sort of a civil right war situation but the reality is 
those are the people who will turn you in to the authorities and yeah. then come rifle through your belongings. That's right. exactly how it happens. That's why it, it's completely irrational to support, uh, you know, things like fascism and uh, populists who often turn into fascists. And because, you know, nobody benefits except the person at the very top, really. Ultimately. Well, and people, people assume that they'll, uh, they'll have this, advantage right. by doing xyz which is complete idiocy but the next person on the ladder above them will turn on them they're like wolverines they'll right. eat each other you're completely end. disposable like if somebody if somebody is sociopathic or psychopathic you know and you think you're going to somehow benefit from that situation you're just delusional because they don't care they, they literally just do not care whether you live or die <laughs> Like it makes and no people difference. Will, people will turn you in for your antique armoire if right. they want it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, these people are really delusional. Wow. But, you know, I we've we've gotten quite uh, into a lot yeah. of dark stuff here. Um, and I wasn't, it, it wasn't in, intending on doing that personally. But this, this is a huge, uh, it's hugely relevant. Because a lot of this stuff is actually rearing its head in the world, and something needs to be done about it. And um, uh, you know, we we are spiritual, psychic, uh, multi-dimensional beings. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, you know, history has a lot to say about what can go wrong if things like this get out of hand. And we can't, we can't. Um unnecessarily revel in the depression and the darkness but if we want things to get better we have to acknowledge them you it's like belonging to aa first you have to admit there's a problem right right and well so that, we that and 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 what's happening in the u.s right now is a perfect example of that because yeah. if if people don't take what's happening really seriously and actually clean it up and do something about it the next guy my well, just went brain dead i should know his name there governor of florida desantis DeSatan. yeah if he became president he's now you've worse. got a guy who's actually intelligent he's worse yeah he's a much bigger threat than trump who is just not that bright frankly well I'll, I'll end this with a little parable i was on my walk the other day and um i saw two young men together with pamphlets going door to door and i thought immediately you know jehovah's witnesses or something and they zeroed in on me like homing pigeons like drones and i thought oh my god you know and i i was going through a dialogue in my head how nasty do i get with them i'm trying to be a good person i'm trying not to be you know aggressively angry about these sorts of having religion shoved down my throat but i hate door-to-door -door missionary work it's one of the most repellent uh, uh, things that people can do. So I'm going through this dialogue in my head, and I every time I cross the street to get away from one of them, the other one came at me in a, oh, man. In a teacher movement, you know? So mm -hmm. finally, I put my hand up and I said, I'm keeping a distance, COVID. And we got into a conversation. He was running for office. One of them was running for office oh. and for a very simple position, community development, you know, whatever that means. And so I stopped him. And I said, uh, who did you vote for in the last election? Did you vote for Donald Trump? And he, I could tell that I should have said, who's the president? Who won right. the election? <laughs> right. But long story short, we were on the same page. I told him to put his sign in my front yard. 
And I told him I'd spread his name and I would vote for him because what did he bring out as his main concern? Addressing, helping, not getting rid of, helping the homeless. I went, okay, all right. That's a good human being. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what we mean. That's the flip side to all of this is that we have to seek out and support decent, honorable human beings with dignity and um, who aren't prejudiced against other people. So my advice to everybody is that before you vote, ask your potential candidate who won the last election. That's a great one. <laughs> That'll tell you everything you need to know. Right. I, sh- I, I think to ask him who he voted for was a little bit intrusive, but I was on the spot. I thought they were trying to introduce me to Jesus, and I <laughs> wasn't interested. And you were running so, away. I could see. I could just picture them chasing you. Oh God! You. It was. I was so angry too. I've got this enormous battle going on in my head. You know, <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm always ready for a fight, John. Always ready for a fight. So anyway, we. I've got a a, a list a mile long of things we didn't even get to, but we got to plenty. So. Oh, you had a list. Great. You should have said Pardon? something. I didn't know you had a list. I try to have a little bit of organi- uh, you know, external organization because this is when I get distracted and I get in a muddle, you know, and I usually well, have... we've been talking for almost two hours and it's like, it's, oh. it's just, you no could go problem. on for days probably, right? No problem. <laughs> okay, you get one guess. What did I used to get in trouble with uh, the teachers for in school starting from kindergarten on? Always the only thing I ever got in trouble with, and I got in trouble all the time. You mean when you were a child? Yes. Five seconds. Uh, questioning authority. Talking in class. Oh. <laughs> I didn't understand why we could sit next to people all day and not talk to them. It made no sense. Right. Chit, 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 chat, chit, chat. And then when you come from a big family, if you don't aggressively right. pursue getting your opinion out there, you're unheard. You're invisible. You know? Yeah. 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 So anyway, well, it was fun, John. It was very, very much fun. Uh, thanks a lot for depressing me so badly. I needed interventionist meditation. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, people, if you're, if people are starting to think about what do we do because of these looming environmental crisis, you know, I do kind of illustrate some of the things to take to think about as, and because he's, not everyone's aware of all of the implications. And so I just did a video on this yesterday. It's really helpful. You're extremely knowledgeable about the science of it. Like I said, uh, something I've been avoiding because it just gives me anxiety really bad. Well, you don't need to be more stressed out than you already are, probably. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it's my steady state. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a serious issue. And I'm glad we talked about it. And we'll talk about it again because I have a sense it's not going away anytime soon. No, it won't. So one thing everybody can do today Get in touch with Joe Manchin. I don't know if he's going to listen to anyone except his voters in Virginia. But it'll make you feel like you did something, you know. How can the, what kind of person, I just don't, I, I, it's incomprehensible to me. Hey, tens of thousands of people voted for Donald Trump. I rest my case. Like what motivates this guy? Like somebody has, somebody, well, I'm sure someone, some readers have already checked him out, but it'd be like, I don't get it. Well, we've done it. I a long time ago. I did a reading on him, and I vaguely remember it was the, it was the usual power and money. Okay. And so I'm, I think I'm going to do again a reading on him tonight, and we'll see 
how bad, how much worse it's gotten. <laughs> you know, some people just have a contrarian thing going on, and they they just like to be different. Well, he's the center of attention. Yeah, but but this like like what he's doing has like just mind boggling implications. Well, they say things like, "What do I care? I'm going to be dead in twenty years. Why do I?" Care I know now? that's like that's kind of sort of sociopathic because you're basically saying you don't care a crap about kids or future generations or. Any That's other correct. people? Correct. They don't. They really don't. Yeah, and you can't fix that. I don't think so. You know that's and why we have to keep them out of power. Politicians are one of the top five um, careers that appeal to psychopaths. Right, because they can so, manipulate a lot of people really easily. That's right. It's and it's a game. It's a mental game for them. Right. That's why we need to weed them out of those kinds of positions. That's what I'm saying. Good luck with that. You know, maybe there's some kind of psychology test or something that could be rigorously applied and say, oh, sorry, you're a fucking sociopath. Go the, get the fuck out of here. Well, Pardon one me. of the other top five You might want to cut that out. <laughs> no, I can't. One of the other top five positions that attract sociopaths, um, psychopaths, is uh, police. And right. they do psychological evaluations looking for people like that. They want them. They're recruiting them. So... And you saw, I know we have to go, but you saw the other day that uh, they're trying to get rid of uh, passing a law now, a federal law, that you can't get within eight feet of a cop with a with I camera. I saw that. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is, sounds like a fascist state. <laughs> this is fascism. Sounds like. <laughs> you know, because the police are the, that's who they use to enforce whatever the hell they want, right? And right. unquestioningly and. And forget forget your democratic rights. Uh, and you know what they're state. selling it on? They're selling it on the idea that this will protect you. You don't want to get too close to what could be a potentially dangerous encounter between a cop and a criminal. So we right. want to keep you far back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And when really, obviously, they just don't want people capturing uh, oh, illegal activity. Yeah, it's yeah. transparent. Yeah. So on that happy note, thank you, John. This was a lot of fun, and we'll do it. Look, again. we'll have to do a positively oriented conversation. Well, you, at some point. you you let me know when you come up with an idea. <laughs> I Might mean, be I, another I lifetime. Right now, I'm grasping at straws. I've been teaching people Gaelic words at the end of my videos. <laughs> there has to be an upside. Well, the upside would be if the planet gets its crap together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well, we will talk then. Too. Okay, and and thank you to everybody for watching. We really appreciate it. And just remember, you can always pause this, go to the bathroom, get a cup of coffee, and come back later. So yeah, know. if you need to vomit or something, because yeah. uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, slunga foil and slunga. <laughs>